Hi, I'm Gianna Volpe, and thank you for listening to The Heart of the East End on 88.3 WLIWFM, the show where we get to the heart of any matter at hand with folks from all walks of life on Long Island's only local NPR radio station. We stream online at WLIW.org radio and welcome your comments, questions, and collaborations of all kinds on The Heart of the East End. Live from the WLIWFM studio in Southampton, New York, on October 3rd, 2022, I'm Gianna Volpe with Long Island's local news on Long Island's only NPR radio station. Long Island school districts have earmarked more than a half billion dollars in federal pandemic recovery money for initiatives ranging from math tutoring to psychological counseling to installation of air ventilation systems, state records show. A Newsday review of reports filed by local districts found that more than $200 million in COVID relief aid will be spent during the current school year, with an additional $175 million scheduled for 2023-24. Nearly $149 million was spent in 21-22, reports indicated. Newsday's analysis of financial data collected by the New York State Department of Education covered 54 districts in Nassau County and 58 in Suffolk. John Hildebrand and Ariel Martinez report on Newsday.com that funding comes from the American Rescue Plan Act, signed into law by President Joe Biden in 2021. And it's distributed by a formula that factors in enrollment size and family income levels. The top five recipients on Long Island are the Brentwood District, uh, Hempstead, Central Islip, Freeport, and Roosevelt. Packing, packed with details, district reports present a new overview of how federal money is being used. Ryan Roof, Chief Operating Officer of the Regional Eastern Suffolk BOCES, summed up spending plans on Long Island as focused largely on three priorities. Number one, repairing student learning loss. Two, providing emotional and psychological support. And three, renovating school buildings with improved filtration of heating and cooling systems. In both Nassau and Suffolk school districts, the top The top-listed priority area was addressing the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic on students, which Newsday found accounted for 26.4% of all federal money budgeted over three years. Number two on the list was safely returning students to in-person instruction, with numbers three and four as offering extended learning and enrichment programs. Collection of district reports represents a stepped-up effort to track use of federal dollars. By federal law, districts are supposed to commit to using whatever remains of American Rescue Plan Act money by September 30th, 2024. Funds then are to be spent within the next 120 days. In other news, about 2,500 Long Island Railroad Crew members are learning how to operate trains on the first new stretch of LIRR territory in more than a century. Railroad engineers, conductors, and dispatchers have been undergoing federally mandated physical characteristics training before the planned December opening of the Grand Central Madison Station, which is part of the $11.2 billion East Side Access Megaproject. 
Alfonso A. Castillo reports on Newsday.com that LIRR officials have said Eastside access will be transformative by shortening the commutes of riders worker, uh, working on Manhattan's east side and giving the railroad much-needed redundancy during service disruptions at Penn. The training for LIRR train crew members covers 40-plus miles of new tracks, including eight miles of tunnels, as well as a four-track rail yard in Queens. Crew members must memorize the degree of every curve in the tracks and change in grade the location of each of the 158 newly installed signals and the configuration of 128 switches. Employees undergo undergo two to three days of training, both in classroom settings and inside test trains, and must pass a test to be qualified to operate on the new territory. Through Eastside Access, the LIRR is expanding its footprint for the first time since the construction of Penn Station 112 years ago. The new link to Grand Central Terminal took 15 years to build and includes a 350,000-square-foot passenger concourse stretching from 42nd to 48th Streets. The LIRR's Grand Central Madison Station is scheduled to begin service by the end of the year. And finally, Coffee with the Cop Day is back this year in Riverhead, offering residents the opportunity for informal conversation with Riverhead police officers at four locations across town. Denise Civiletti reports on RiverheadLocal.com that Coffee with the Cop Day will be held this coming Wednesday, October 5th, with Riverhead police officers at the following locations from 8.30 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. this Wednesday. That's Bean and Bagel in um, at Calverton on Middle Country Road, El Deli uh, Grocery at on Osborne, Goldberg's Bagels on Main Street, and Duffy's Deli on Main Road in Jamesport. The public is invited to stop in for a chat with officers at any of those locations. Coffee with a Cop is a national program first launched in Hawthorne, California in 2011, the result of a brainstorming session on ways to better connect with the community. The events have now been hosted in all 50 states and considered one of the most successful community-oriented policing programs in the country. Riverhead Town Police Chief David Hager-Miller implemented the program in 2016. It's a great way to connect with residents and get to know each other over a cup of coffee, police said in a press release announcing this year's event. Reading the weather in Stony Brook in honor of Dr. Robert Schwanner, Medical Director for Stony Brook Medicine's Emergency Room, joining us for the Medical Monday segment, underwritten by Jennifer Benton for the first time this morning, looking like a cloudy Monday with a high near 62 degrees, breezy with northeast wind, 20 to 22 miles per hour. The better to see you guys uh, from the WLIWFM studio. Anytime it's overcast, we can see you quite well and you can see us more importantly. So take a wave or make a wave, wave when you when you walk by. Uh, we've already had a couple of very friendly folks that have passed the station so far. 30% chance of showers after 2 a.m. this morning. So just to let you know, you might not need to wash wash your plants, uh, water your lawn. Tonight, cloudy with a low around 48 degrees tonight, northeast wind around 18 miles per hour. Right now, it's 52 degrees. 
getting the music from all decades and started uh, genres started this morning. If you're looking for local music, Rob Europe, Jetty Coon, and the Zen Tricksters coming at you a little later this morning. I built uh, the playlist around uh, No New Friends from Labyrinth, Sia, and Diplo's LSD record of 2019. A shout out to Jack Hilton for making me hip to that record. And a happy birthday to Bridget Leroy, wherever she may be today. Um, We've got Uncle Tupelo, John Mayer, the Abbott Brothers, Hun and Marvin Gaye. But first, Chet Faker's cover of Black Street's No Diggity from the Thinking in Textures record of 2012, right here on Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM, the heart of the East End. Hey yo, hey yo, hey yo, hey yo. 
gotta bag it up. Does anybody else out there already know who or what they're going to be for Halloween? If you do, let us know. Leave a voicemail at 631 591 7006. Again, that's 631 631- Five nine one seven zero zero six. The heart of the East End wants to hear from you. Who or what are you going to be this Halloween? I'm Gianna Volpe. This is Uncle Tupelo, and you, whoever you are out there, whether or not you know whether you're what you're going to be for Halloween, you are awesome, and you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. 88.3 on the FM dial throughout eastern Long Island and coastal Connecticut, 96.9 in central and western Suffolk and corresponding sections of Connecticut. Of course, streaming online to wherever you are at WLIW.org slash radio. Stay tuned. Dr. Robert Schwanner joining us a little over five minutes from now for the Medical Monday segment underwritten for the first time by Jennifer Benton right here on the Morning and Midnight Show, The Heart of the East End on WLIWFM. Oh, fear the hearts of men are failing for these are latter days we know the great depression now is spreading god's word declared it would be so i'm going where there's no depression to a better land that's free from care i'll leave this world a toil and trouble my home's in heaven i'm going there dark hour of midnight nearing and tribulation time will come and storms will hurl in midnight fear and sweep lost millions to their doom I'm going where there's no depression to a better land that's free from care I'll leave this world a toil and trouble my home's in heaven i'm going there i'm going where there's no depression better land it's free from care i'll leave this world toil and trouble home's in heaven i'm going there i'm going where there's no depression to a better land that's free from care I'll leave this world a toil and trouble. My home's in heaven. I'm going there. Sending this out to WLIWFM listener John. Yes, you dialed the right number. What are you going to be for Halloween? Let us know. And letting you know that you're listening to Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM. 
I'm Gianna Volpe. This is John Mayer. And you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only NPR radio station. Leading us to our Medical Monday segment at the bottom of the hour. This segment designed to get folks to their 10-year reunion. Very excited to welcome onto the show 
Dr. Robert Schwanner of the Stony Brook Medicine um, Emergency Room Department, the medical director there. Good morning, Dr. Schwanner, and thank you so much for being on The Heart with us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So this is this is a really tough uh, talk to have, uh, especially because it's um, pretty difficult sometimes to get through to kids, but also very important to try. We're talking about social media challenges and about um, some of the negative effects that it can have on teens and their health. Um, is there one in particular that you wanted to look at? Or, I mean, what have you seen in the emergency room department, let's say, in the last year? So the, the newest is is the uh, uh, most people at this point, after the FDA warning, had heard about NyQuil. And, and uh, this, is, this is the newest challenge, although it's been around for a while. It was called Sleepy Chicken before. Um, it's been around since pre-COVID days, generally 2017, but it, it picked up some steam recently. And I believe the FDA warning came out about a week and a half ago, weeks ago at this point. Um, but essentially it's, it's cooking chicken and NyQuil. And, uh, um, there are, uh, uh, ingredients within NyQuil that essentially will, will produce a, uh, you know, a high that uh, people are experiencing with that. And the, the problem is that these medications, obviously, first of all, were not designed to be cooked. Right. Uh, NyQuil itself has has five medications in, in you know, within it. And, uh, you know, each one of those medications as a toxicologist, um, you know, I've, I've seen people pass from each of the five ingredients uh, for different reasons. So, this is really extremely risky and uh, dangerous. And if you've watched any of the videos, uh, it, this is very specific. Um, but, you know, the, the five ingredients are acetaminophen, which is Tylenol, uh, Benadryl, which is, is diphenhydramine, uh, and dextromethorphan. Uh, people might have heard of RoboShots and, and you right, know, right. basically doing uh, Robitussin DM for the dextromethorphan. And that's probably the main reason that people are using this, uh, it's a dissociative in high doses. And, uh, as, as you know, these talkers are, are cooking it, they're inhaling the vapors and, and, uh, you know, producing the, the effect and, and getting high with that. They actually, uh, comment in these videos that they, they want to, uh, inhale this, you know, the, the, uh, the, um, the sorry, the fumes. And, right. and, but there's also, uh, doxylamine, which is an old school uh, antihistamine uh, uh, used in uh, some uh, preparations of, not all, but some preparations of Unisom, uh, and that can cause a very severe uh, uh, medical term is rhabdomyolysis, but essentially a, a very potent uh, muscle. Uh, and the last one is alcohol. Uh, NyQuil is 10% alcohol. So uh, the reason I bring that, the ethanol up is that after these TikTokers are, are cooking the chicken, um, they put it back into the NyQuil bottle, and uh, some of them are reusing it. But the point is that if you cook off ethanol of anything, you're going to concentrate the other uh, components. And so the Tylenol, the, the Benadryl, the Doxylamine uh, in particular get uh, reconcentrated and you know, if, if anybody uses that, they're they're getting a much higher dose than what, what they would think otherwise. So it's kind of 
crazy to talk about, but that's what's going on right now. And the scariest part is that anybody can walk into uh, a pharmacy and, and pick this up. And, right. Uh, so uh, people need to understand that uh, this is this is something that can definitely land them in the emergency department, and even worse than that. So, right. Uh, yeah, so, I, I did want to highlight uh, the word you used before, which is yeah. uh, you said you've seen many people pass, and and that means die yeah. uh, for folks that 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 might not uh, know or or might have missed it. Um, we're talking about people dying and uh, people that have not even gotten really the chance to to live uh, their to the fullest life, have their whole lives in front of them. Um, it's it can be easy to forget these things when you're you know watching something on TikTok or social media and and there's so many uh, things to or, or reasons why not to why to not uh, involve yourself in this one of one of them is you could die another is especially I, I was even more blown away to think that uh, someone could be putting uh, this ingredient back into a bottle after using it in cooking you could hurt somebody else uh, you know, number three, right. I have to imagine it tastes terrible. <laughs> I don't, you know, when I'm thinking yeah. about seasoning my chicken, uh, NyQuil is not the thing I'm thinking of, of adding to the dish. Sounds gross. Um, number four, uh, which I don't think is something that people talk about enough. And that is, you know, they talk about things that age well, um, a video of right. you putting yourself or someone else at risk in this way. Not only could it put someone else at risk um, by influencing them in one way, but it's you're not going to want to look back on that and see that there, uh, and neither will a future employer, uh, for example. And these are these are all like really not the main reasons uh, to involve yourself in something like this, but uh, it is also uh, something to consider. Absolutely. Uh, you know, n nobody uh, in any of these videos, nobody is, is certainly advocating uh, uh, using NyQuil to uh, season any of their chicken. Uh, it's purely right. for, for different reasons. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, people don't realize diphenhydramine, which is Benadryl, which we, you know, many of us use appropriately uh, for a myriad of good reasons, is a potent cardiac toxin. Mm -hmm. And uh, as a fellow, when I was training in toxicology, Unfortunately, I had many patients who overdosed on Benadryl and, you know, passed from that. And uh, okay. it's there's a reason that all these uh, over-the-counter medications have a, uh, you know, directions. And, and uh, uh, we sometimes we, we get lulled into thinking that anything we get in the pharmacy should be safe if it's not a prescription. And it's this is not safe. No. Um, so, uh, uh, again, I appreciate the opportunity to talk. I'm just uh, grateful. Yeah, I'm grateful. I have to learn a few other people that might. Yeah. Can Can you talk yeah. a little bit? Um, you know, you you mentioned uh, cardiac effects because my thought is uh, the main issue would be the liver. But uh, so I don't know. I don't know any sure. of this stuff. So, and and as you mentioned, there's four different active ingredients that we're talking about. You're throwing right. at your body in a way that. Uh, nobody except for you can talk about intelligently because you're also 
you're cooking an ingredient, which changes, I imagine, the chemistry of all four of these things. Um, so if you don't mind talking a little bit exactly more about, right. yeah, if you don't mind talking a little bit more about how uh, how this is affecting the liver and the heart uh, to consume these things in that way. Sure. So, so in, an average bottle, an average now that's a bottle. Nightbowl has about eight grams of acetaminophen in, and uh, you know the, the daily max dose uh, has fluctuated between four grams and six grams. The point being that there's a lot of acetaminophen or Tylenol, you know, brand name um, within Nightbowl, and uh, you know that's one of the greatest reasons for liver failure in this country. Uh, and obviously people pass from liver failure. Uh, there's obviously others, but from an overdose perspective, uh, that's certainly uh, the most common uh, wow. across all ages. Um, and then, you know, diphenhydramine, which, which is Benadryl is the brand name, um, is a potent sodium channel blocker. And, uh, you know, when I train my residents in, in a couple of our uh, texts, if people have a true, Allergy, for example, to lidocaine, which I might inject to sew up a laceration that you have. Um, one of the alternatives is actually to use diphenhydramine uh, or Benadryl because it's a potent sodium channel blocker, and that's what kind of numbs our nerves, uh, whether you're at the dentist or, or getting a uh, laceration repaired. Uh, the problem is, is that the sodium channels in your nerves uh, that help us, you know, to, to, to numb and not feel that, that repair uh, are also within your heart, and they are very, um, very important, obviously, for normal heart function. And uh, if you have enough diphenhydramine or Benadryl, uh, you can poison those sodium channels, and uh, you know that can lead to a, a dysrhythmia or, or a heart not functioning correctly, and you can pass from that. So these are, uh, you know, that's two uh, medications right there that are lethal within uh, NyQuil. Um, again, most people are using this for the uh, dextromethorphan, uh, which is a dissociative, and that's what makes people uh, a little sleepy, uh, along with the diphenhydramine, but uh, a little uh, what we call dissociated. Right. Uh, and uh, you know, these are these are things that are lethal. And the last, like I mentioned before, is doxylamine, which. Uh, it's not common, but you can get very severe muscle breakdown, and that can lead to kidney failure uh, and death uh, from kidney failure. So, this is not um, this is a a, a prepackaged nightmare uh, if you, if used inappropriately. And to be honest, Adriana, we don't know. Uh, there's not been enough studied to know how heating all of this changes the uh, dynamics. Certainly it concentrate things, it concentrates the uh, ingredients uh, because we know that the ethanol is getting cooked off. But in terms of the toxicity, there might be a change in that toxicity uh, by heating. We're, we're not exactly sure. It's not, you know, fortunately it's, it's not been so prevalent that we can um, study this. But the flip side is, is that we don't really know if it's actually worse in this manner. So right. uh, again, there's a reason why these medications are, are, are packaged and, uh, you know, give instructions as to how to use. And certainly heat NyQuil was never its intention when it was first brought to market. 
Dr. Schwanner, I cannot thank you enough for joining us for the Medical Monday segment underwritten by Jennifer Benton. Dr. Schwanner is a toxicologist and the medical director for Stony Brook Medicine's emergency room. Very grateful to him for having joined us this morning. Please do not cook your chicken in NyQuil. Choose, uh, how about yellow curry? I've done that before, and it's very delicious and safe. I'm Gianna Volpe. Uh, that was Dr. Schwanner. These are the Abbott Brothers. And you, whoever you are out there, you just heard the Medical Monday segment underwritten by Jennifer Benton right here on Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLI-WFM. When my body won't hold me anymore And it finally lets me free Will I be ready When my feet won't walk another mile And my lips give their last kiss goodbye Will my hands be steady When I lay down my fears, my hopes and my doubts The rings on my fingers and the keys to my house With no hard feelings When the sun hangs low in the west And the light in my chest won't be kept held at bay any longer when the jealousy fades away and it's ash and dust for cash and lust and it's just hallelujah and love and thought love in the words love in the songs they sing in the church and no hard feelings Lord knows they haven't done much good for Shake hands laughing 
walk through the night Straight to the light Holding the love I've known in my life And no hard feelings Lord knows they haven't done Much good for are my feels right now. If I have enemies, I don't know who they are, and that's just as well with me. Moving from the Avett Brothers' No Hard Feelings from the 2016 True Sadness record to the title track to Hun's 2020 record, this is No Song Without You, before Marvin Gaye is No Good Without You, Robert Europe's, Robert Europe, Rob Europe's No Need to Start Again from his brand new record Saddle River, then Jetty Coon's No More Dress Rehearsal from the X record of 2018, a little more than 15 minutes before the NPR news break at the top of the hour and the next local news update right here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. Ooh, I'd be nothing without you. Without you, without you When I'm down and out and feel like there is nothing left for me You save me
made a little love note to myself, noting an explicit lyric. Times be changing. I don't know if any of you have seen the American Dream documentary about George Carlin on HBO Max. But these days, they don't even uh, consider the S-word an explicit lyric anymore. Times, they are changing.
Europe to Jetty Coon, Eagles, and Tim Buckley on deck to lead you into the NPR news break at the top of the hour. I'm Gianna Volpe, and you're listening to Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM, the heart of the East End.
No more walks in the woods. The trees have all been cut down. And where once they stood, not even a wagon rut appears along the path. Low brush is taking over. No more walks in the woods. This is the aftermath of afternoons in the clover fields where we once made love, then wandered home together, where the trees arched above. When branches were the sky Now they are gone for good And you for ill And I am only a passerby We and the trees and the way fields of play lasted as long as we could no more walks in the Photographs of guns and flame Scarlet skull and distant game Bayonet hand Jungle grin Nightmares dream by bleeding men Lookouts tremble on the shore no man can find the war. Tape recorders echo scream. Orders fly like bullets stream. Drums and cannons laugh aloud. Whistles come from ashen shroud. Leaders damn the world and roar. But no man can find the war. Is the war across the sea? Is the war behind the sky? Have you each and all gone blind? Is the war inside your mind? Humans 
we bad human death. All the talkers lose their breath. Movies paint a chaos tale. Singers see and poets wail. With Long Island local news, I'm Gianna Volpe on WLIWFM. Far more Long Islanders died from COVID-19 this past summer than during the summers of 20 and 21. Data shows and doctors said those dying are mostly unvaccinated as well as people who are vaccinated but unboosted with weakened immune systems. David Olson reports on Newsday.com that the increasing abandonment of mask wearing and other precautions and highly infectious Omicron variants are pushing COVID positivity rates higher, contributing to the larger death toll. Experts said from June 1st to September 21st, 304 Long Islanders died of COVID, according to State Department of Health data. That's 46% higher than the 208 who died in the same time period in 2021, and 67% more than the 182 who passed away in the same period in 2020 before vaccines were available. Statewide death numbers also are up. The numbers are significant because summer, when people tend to spend more time in lower-risk outdoor settings, is when COVID positivity rates and deaths typically are lowest. But this year, they were lower in the late winter and early spring. COVID hospitalizations on Long Island and statewide have also been much higher than in previous summers. Even so, the number of deaths on Long Island for all of 22 through September is lower than for the same time period in 2021 and 2020. Immunity from vaccination or a COVID infection wanes over time, and for some people with less robust immune systems, that protection can go away entirely, according to Dr. Sharon Nachman, Chief of Pediatric Infectious Diseases at Stony Brook Medicine. Older adults, people with certain health conditions, and people taking immunosuppressive medications are particularly vulnerable, she said. For them, she said a booster can be life-saving and just as important as the initial vaccinations. People 50 and older with one booster dose are twice as likely to die of COVID as someone with two booster doses. CDC data from July shows unvaccinated people are 12 times more likely to die than someone with two boosters. Yet fewer than 36 percent of those 50 and up that are eligible for a second booster have gotten one. CDC data shows after adults 65 and older became eligible Four vaccines in early 2021, their death rates fell much more sharply than the death rates for younger adults. In other news, two years after the Roman Catholic Church on Long Island became the largest diocese in the nation to declare bankruptcy, none of the hundreds of clergy sex abuse cases filed against the church has been settled. Bart Jones reports on Newsday.com that the Diocese of Rockville Center has hired a major international law firm, Jones Day, to defend itself in the complex proceedings, which sometimes involve nearly 100 attorneys meeting at the same time. 
The diocese declined to comment on the proceedings, other than pointing to court documents indicating it recently offered an unspecified counteroffer in the mediation and that more sessions were scheduled for the following weeks. The diocese declared bankruptcy on October 1st, 2020, saying the potential cost of payouts stemming from cases filed under the New York State Child Victims Act left it facing financial ruin. The Child Victims Act allowed people to file lawsuits against the church, schools, and other institutions, regardless of how long ago the alleged abuse took place. Some of the diocesan uh, cases go back as far as 1957, the year the diocese was founded, according to court papers. When the diocese declared bankruptcy, the cases stopped being heard in the New York State Supreme Court. What a shame. Instead, they're now in U.S. Bankruptcy Court. Court documents indicate the Diocese of Rockville Center is spending substantial sums for legal representation. One filing lists a payment to Jones Day of $4 million, $4 million, uh, $55,063.41 exactly for February through May 2022, one lead attorney was paid at a rate of nearly $1,600 an hour. Bishop John Barris, or Barris said at the time that bankruptcy offers the only way to ensure a fair and equitable outcome for everyone involved, including abuse survivors who com- whose compensation settlements will be resolved by the courts. Despite the financial problems, uh, officials say church functions such as masses Religious education classes and social ministry programs have continued. The diocese is the eighth eighth largest in the United States and home to 1.4 million Nassau and Suffolk Catholics. And finally, farm workers in New York will be entitled to overtime after 40 hours beginning January 1st, 2032, under an order signed Friday by the New York State Labor Commissioner. Denise Civiletti reports on news, uh, excuse me, on RiverheadLocal.com, of course, that the order requires a phased reduction of the overtime threshold for farm laborers from the current 60 hours to 40 over the next decade. The overtime threshold will be reduced to 56 hours on January 1st, 2024, to 52 hours on the first of the year in 2026, 48 hours in 2028, 44 hours in 2030, and 40 hours on January 1st, 2032. The order requires an employer to pay farm laborers at the rate of one and a half times the employee's regular rate of pay for hours worked in excess of the threshold. In issuing the order, New York Commissioner of Labor Roberta Reardon accepted the September 6 final report and recommendation of the Farm Laborers Wage Board made after a two-year process and 14 public meetings and hearings. The final report and recommendation followed the board's initial recommendations on January 28. Farm workers remain one of the only categories of hourly workers in New York State that are not by law paid mandatory overtime after 40 hours. Reading the weather here in Southampton in honor of our Meditation Monday guest, Pamela Greinke, uh, though our interview will be by phone as of now, looking like a mostly cloudy Monday with a high near 61 degrees, breezy with a northeast wind around 20, 20, uh, excuse me, 22 Miles per hour, 2022 miles per hour. I was thinking of uh, Hurricane Ian, of course, which is um, certainly contributing to the winds 
Showers likely mainly after 5 a.m. tomorrow morning. Other uh, Tonight it'll be cloudy with a low around 49 degrees northeast wind around 17 miles per hour. It's 53 degrees right now. Uh, who do we got? We got the Zen Tricksters kicking off the music from all decades and genres this morning. No one said it'd be easy from the 2003 record shaking off the weirdness. We've got the No Ones on deck after that. No One Falls Alone, Queens of the Stone Age, No One Knows, Towns Van Zandt, Blind Melon, Inda Eaton, and Kaleo on deck after that. Then some Loudon Wainwright Third, Pamela Granke, of course, joining us for the Meditation Monday segment. I'm Gianna Volpe, and you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. And you're listening to the Heart of the East End here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. Lately I've been trying to find Just a little peace of mind Never time I turn around it's gone Time slips away Tomorrow becomes yesterday And the dreams we had today can fade away Nothing is easy, nothing is free Only you can make your life what you want it to be No one said it
From the Zen tricksters to the no ones, you're listening to Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM. Commercial free and awesome because of you, the listener supporter from WLIWFM. You know what, I'm going to hop over Queens of the Stone Age and play a little Towns Van Zant from his 1972 record High, Low, and In Between. No deal on WLIWFM. I'm going back to Tennessee. Well, now this man down at the used car lot tried to sell me four wheels in a trunk. I said, but man, there ain't no engine. He said the engine's just a bunch of junk. You don't need no engine to go downhill. And I can plainly see that's the direction you're headed in. Then he handed me the keys. And I said, no deal. You 
can't sell that stuff to me Oh no dear I'm going back to Tennessee Well I went to a doctor of the highest order He said I couldn't have a drink for a year One glass of wine on my birthday If my birthday wasn't too very near Lord he must have put me in a state of shock Cause I made it for about two weeks And then he sent me a bill Knocked me flat off the wagon And back down on my feet oh, I said no deal You can't sell that stuff to me Ah oh, no deal I'm going back to Tennessee Well when true love knocked upon my door She just barely turned 15 and I was a little bit nervous, if you know just what I mean. But I'd heard somewhere that true love conquers all, and I figured that was that. Then I started having dreams about being chased out of town, wearing nothing but my cowboy hat. And I said, no deal, you can't sell that stuff to me. Oh, no deal, I'm going back to Tennessee. Well, I come through this life a stumbler, friends. I expect to die that way. Oh, it could be 20 years from now. Could be most any day. But if there ain't no whiskey and women, Lord, behind them heavenly doors, I'm gonna take my chances down below. And of that you can be sure. Oh, it's no deal. Can't sell that stuff to me. I know deal. I'm going back to Tennessee. And it's no deal. You can't sell that stuff to me. I know deal. I'm going back to Tennessee. Bringing it back from Tennessee back to Long Island. Here on the heart of the East End, it's time for our Monday meditation because it's approaching the bottom of the 10 o'clock hour, just after 1 o'clock if you're listening to the replay and welcoming to the show, Pamela Greinke. Did I pronounce your name right first? Just to get Yes, yes okay. you did. Wonderful. All right. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, seriously, to those listeners out there, it is Domestic Violence Awareness Month alongside uh, breast cancer awareness and and I'm sure a few other things. And uh, Pamela got in touch and was saying that there are a few events uh, planned throughout the region for this month, one of which I believe happened just this past weekend at uh, uh, Harley, Harley Davidson in Riverhead. Am I staying on track, Pam? Yes, except that we actually had to postpone that event. Oh, of course, because it was terrible. Yes. um, I know there were a lot of events on Saturday. Some went forward and some didn't. So we postponed that event until October 22nd. Okay. And what it is, because our agency, Hope and Resilience, is is new, I wanted to have a community outreach just kind of to introduce our agency to the community. And we're partnering up with Bikers Against Child Abuse, um, which is an amazing organization that supports children who have been abused or um, with domestic abuse or sexual abuse. 
and we're we're just going to be there to have a, a community outreach, information, and a fun family day on October 22nd at the Eastern Harley Davidson in Riverhead. So that's really that's really a great thing, and uh, it gives you a little bit of time, I suppose, to uh, let the child abuse the center in downtown Riverhead know that organization I had only uh, become aware of in the past few months from speaking to them. They had an open house uh, a few uh, a month or so ago. Um, so tell me everything about hope and resiliency and and uh, founding uh, you're you're the founder of this organization i mean t- uh, tell me everything yes okay so i do i have a background in working in the field of domestic violence i've worked at a couple of different agencies and i realized um that the east end really needs more services there, the population on the East End may come as a surprise to the listeners, but the population has grown a lot in the past few years. Um, it, it really had grown significantly even before COVID hit, around average of 27% increase in population between the 2010 and 2020 census. And that was in comparison to other parts of the island or the state or the country, which were between 3 and 5% growth. So 27% is, is huge. And then after COVID, you know, the population just exploded. Right. So there's a lot more people out here, which translates to a lot more people in need because one in three women and one in seven men will be affected by domestic violence in their lifetime. And so with the higher population, you know, those numbers are going to be higher. And COVID has had an effect as well. With Certainly. A, a huge lot of effect. stressors that go with that and, you know, illness and people losing jobs and, and so forth. That kind of showed an increase in the incidence of domestic violence. And so I really felt that um, I wanted to be able to, to work within my community and and help people that were were in need, and a lot of people just don't even know where to turn. And uh, an interesting fact is that on average, a person will experience domestic abuse uh, about thirty incidents of domestic abuse before they ever reach out to the police. So someone might think, you know, the first time, let's say. My, you know, my friend tells me that something's happened to her, her partner had abused her. You would think the first thing that they would do would be to call the police, but that's not always the first go-to. We want to be able to be that, um, that person or group that they go to to help them understand what would happen when you call the police. You know, because taking that step is scary. You don't know what's going to happen next. Is there going to be an arrest? And and a lot of times a person would hesitate to call the police because they've been told by their abusive partner, if you call the police, they're going to arrest you. You know, either um, because that uh, the abuser will lie and mm-hmm. say that it was actually the victim who caused, you know, who was abusive or any number of reasons, you know, that, that someone would be fearful of out to the police for help. Right. So, um, yeah, so so that event on October 22nd is happening from 12 to 4 at Harley-Davidson, and then tonight I'm going to be at the Matatuck Laurel Library at 6 o'clock just talking about some of the uh, signs of domestic violence, so how some 
can recognize the signs in their a friend or family member and what resources are available and how they can help that loved one to, you know, to navigate this situation. Super important. So that's at the Mattituck Laurel Library tonight. You said at, at 6 p.m.? 6 p.m. Uh, you know, now I know, I know uh, the retreat is, is a fantastic resource uh, for folks out here experiencing, um, you know, the effects of, of domestic violence. Are, are you hoping to partner with them in some way? Uh, is this uh, to, to uh, uh, focus on folks a little further west or, or what is the, con- do you know, do you have any connection with the retreat? Yeah, a little bit of all of that. <laughs> so so the retreat is one of the agencies that I work at, and I do have a number of friends still at the retreat. And my goal is um, is to partner with and collaborate with many different agencies. There are a lot of different agencies on Long Island, on the East End, in Suffolk County, doing great work. Um, and the retreat is one of them. And And it's my goal to collaborate because... You know, one person or one agency can't be everywhere at all times. Right. So the more we can work together for the betterment of our of our clients, the the better it is. You yeah. know, I think collaborating is really the only way to go because there are things that each agency can do that maybe another agency can't. And so you need to find where every agency's strengths are and go to that agency for for the um support and the collaboration in those areas that you may not have those those strengths. And as you mentioned, Pamela, we're dealing with um, quite a population boom out here. Uh, and so this is, sort of seems to me like a um, a weird a weird phrase to use when you're considering that the topic is domestic violence. But when it comes to uh, more people that are helping folks dealing with this stuff, then yes, the more the merrier. Uh, as far as that is concerned. Right, right. I I agree. I mean, there's um, every year the, throughout the nation, all domestic violence agencies take a, um, a one-day survey. There's a 24-hour period where everyone, uh, every agency that participates will answer this survey as to how many people they've been able to help and, you know, in what areas was it shelter, was it hotline, was it um, uh, advocacy or counseling services. And in the survey, I think one of the most recent surveys that was done, it was shown that about 20% in New York State, about 20% of people who called the hotline were not able to get help because the resources just weren't there. And so there need to be resources and there also needs to be more money from the government to support these resources. And um, that's just a little, a little aside. I'm not going to go go into that more. But it's just that the need is so great. Even, some people may hear the phrase domestic violence and say, "Well, I, I don't know anybody who's experiencing that." But with one in three women and one in seven men experiencing it, you do know. You, right. They're just not, you know, talking about it at the PTA meeting. And and, and let's let's be <laughs> clear know? that that there is a large amount of violence that is not physical, uh, for example. and uh, Exactly, right. So that's the other thing, and I'm glad that you brought that up, because we think when people hear the word domestic violence, and we kind of, 
you know, domestic violence doesn't cover it all. It's domestic right. abuse because right. that can that can cover so much more than a physical uh, hitting, you know, a b- black and blue eye or, or, you know, bloody lip. There's controlling money, mm-hmm. not allowing your partner to work, or right. when they do work, taking all of the money and controlling it, giving the partner an allowance. Um, and and psych- a psychological... Yeah, psychological sorry, g- gaslighting, psychological uh, shaming, uh, belittling. Um, uh, all of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All that stuff. A, an abuser will will separate their um, their partner from support, from right. family or friends who are their support network, cut them off, not allow them to see them or move them across the country or something yeah. like that. And um, and sometimes it's you know, gradual. not allow them to go to school. Right. And sometimes it's it's gradual. Uh, you know, if you mm-hmm. uh, people who have either been in the situation or uh, notice things, sometimes the effects happen so gradually that even the person that is um, victim to this stuff doesn't quite notice because it's sort of like the, the frog in the boiling water type situation where the the heat increases incrementally and the person doesn't realize until late the situation that they're in. Exactly. That's the phrase I was going to use, I think, because I've heard you use it before. But But it is very often when a person gets into a relationship, it seems like it's the ideal relationship. This mm-hmm. partner is so attentive and loving. There's something called love bombing. Where right, they're just right. Like, you know, give you gifts and take you out on um, lavish gates and just tell you you're the most beautiful person in the world. And, you know, where have you been all my life? And that just sucks a person in. And that's not to say that everyone that's super nice is, of course is not. going to become an abuser, <laughs> right. but but that's something to be wary of if that right. love, you know, happens so quickly and so intensely. Um, they make a commitment very quickly, and then it does become, it's, it is like the, the frog in the water. It, it's slow, because then it'll be like, um, you know, an abusive situation will happen, and it'll be like, but it's just because I love you so much. I couldn't take seeing you talk with that guy outside of your classroom or, you know, that coworker of yours, you know, and so it's little by little. It's like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't have been talking to that guy. Maybe it looked like I was flirting with him. I understand why my partner would be jealous. Those kind of it's like taking away the the victim and slash survivors um, ability to make their own decisions and to, you know, to to live their life. It's like just, and it's slowly eroding. It's not overnight. Nobody, none of us would get into a relationship, meet a guy or a woman and, you know, they're abusive the first time or second time you're together. Very few people would stay in that situation. It's very, very slow. And there's something called the, um, the cycle of abuse. And that is what keeps people in it, what what holds them on. So you say you're in a relationship, it starts out beautiful and very slowly, you know, that that controlling behavior comes into play. And then because of whatever reason, and they'll, of course, always blame the victim for that reason. Um, but let's say, hypothetically, it was the, the victim was talking to a coworker at work, and the abuser got jealous, and and a physical altercation happened. And then 
it's oh I'm sorry. Right. You the know, flowers that my, right. my jealousy took over, flowers, dinner, vacation, right. all of that will come into play and that love, that honeymoon period will come into play. And it could be a matter of you know, this cycle could take weeks or it could even take years. And then you and add then, a you, you know, add a child that I, right. I promise it'll never happen again. And then slowly the erosion starts to take place again until another um, abusive incident happens. Right. And then as we were saying, you you add a child into this equation and then it it starts to become or or financial intermingling, uh, any any of that Mm -hmm. type of stuff. And then it becomes more complicated for the person or or they think it's more more complicated. Uh, So it's really important that, Mm -hmm. that organizations like hope and resiliency, like the retreat, uh, like the, this, the uh, child abuse center in, in downtown Riverhead, that those places exist uh, for folks who are in Mm -hmm. these situations to safely gather knowledge and know how, uh, how to save themselves, uh, their families, et cetera. Um, Their friends, so uh, just encouraging folks, if they uh, would like more information, uh, to check out uh, Pamela Greinke's talk tonight at the Mattituck Laurel Library at 6 p.m. It is uh, Domestic uh, Abuse Awareness Month, um, and just hoping, you know, if this helps one person, then we've done our jobs here on The Heart. Uh, deep bow to you, Pamela, and your your growing group for all that you are doing Thanks. and have done already. Uh, looking forward to the 22nd at the Harley-Davidson in Riverhead for that event. And to tonight, ahead of the lecture, I'm Gianna Volpe. That's Pamela Greinke. The organization is Hope and Resiliency. Is that correct, Pamela? It's Hope and Resilience. Hope and Resilience, Got Long it. Island. And can I just give my email Please address do. for anybody who wants to reach out for more information Absolutely. about the events or about just to, you know, to if anybody wants to donate, that would be awesome. Please <laughs> Cause, do. Because funding is always an issue with nonprofits. It's info, I-N-F-O, at harleyinc.org. That's info at H-A-R-L-I-I-N-C. Dot org. And then if you reach out to me that way, I can send you information about our events. I can send you um, a link to our Facebook page, our website, and, and everything. I'm Gianna Volpe. That's Pamela Groenke. This is Inda Eaton and you, whoever you are out there. You're awesome. And you just heard the Monday Meditation here on Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM. No. 
little rain rain go away track because i do see a little drizzle outside of the wliwfm studio kaleo after blind melon right here on wliwfm loudon wainwright the third after that npr news coming up in just 15 minutes and the end of this edition of the heart wliwfm
I might hop over Foo Fighters and Beastie Boys to lead you into the NPR news break with um, Labyrinth, Sia, and Diplo's No New Friends from the LSD record of 2019. Thanks to Jack Hilton for making us hip to that record. I'm Gianna Volpe. This is Kaleo from a record I love from 2016. A slash B, no good on WLI, WFM, Loudon Wainwright, The Thirds, No Knees, Hearses, No Cowboy, and then No New Friends. I'm Gianna Volpe, and I love new friends, especially new listeners of Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM 88.3 on the FM dial throughout eastern Long Island and coastal Connecticut, 96.9 in central and western Suffolk County. Of course, streaming online to wherever you are at WLIW.org slash radio.
So I'm actually going to reclaim Foo Fighters No Way Back, lead you into the NPR news break with no new friends, no knees and no cowboy, Loud and Rainwright the third and hearse, probably tomorrow morning here on WLI WFM. True, there is no way back from here, but hey, there's also no need to start again. Hashtag see what I did there. Leading you into the NPR news break at the top of the hour with the LSD uh, Labyrinth, Sia and Diplo present. Uh, you see what they did there <laughs> with no new friends. Um, speaking of friends, big deep birthday bow to Bridget Leroy and all of you out there sharing a birthday on this October 3rd, as well as to our guests 
on this morning's heart, Dr. Robert Schwanner, as well as Pamela Greinke, and our underwriter, Jennifer Benton, as well as all of you listeners, supporters of Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM, who are out there, who are showing their love on WLIWFM.org. I'm Jenna Volpe, showing you the love right here, live from the WLIWFM studio, Monday through Friday mornings, 9 to 11. Of course, the replay at midnight. All shows archived online where you can stream us as well. WLIW.org slash radio. We will be back tomorrow. Stay tuned for the NPR news break at the top of the hour.